Welcome to our Sunday School Hour here at Long Hill Baptist Church. Uh, take your Bible this morning, please turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 uh, this morning, please. Uh, here in uh, Acts, uh, we're working our way through the book of Acts, verse by verse, uh, in Sunday School. And just a reminder this morning, it's a transitional book. As we've said several times now, uh, it transitions from the Gospels uh, the four Gospels, into uh, the epistles. And, of course, uh, we see things in the book of Acts that are temporary phenomena of the Holy Spirit, such as uh, the sign gifts, uh, such as uh, the gift of tongues, and so forth. And yet we also see uh, a great deal of doctrine and history uh, that is for today and, and that can uh, and should be mined out and applied to our lives uh, in the power of God uh, even today. So uh, we're thankful for that this morning. I'm thankful for the book of Acts. Uh, recall that last Sunday morning in Acts chapter 4, uh, I gave you a series of P's, uh, more, like a, more like a sermon, I suppose. But uh, we saw Peter preach a second time and subsequently be arrested. He had uh, evidently offended the Sadducees, who were apparently... Uh, in charge at this time, uh, one of the various sects of Judaism that um, uh, first century Judaism had split into. Uh, we saw Peter arrested. Uh, we saw persecution uh, or pressure. We saw them continue uh, to preach even while under arrest. We saw that Lord uh, saw fit to release them and they immediately uh, joined the church assembly and prayed. Uh, for God's provision, and that God did indeed provide for them. Uh, he filled them with the Holy Spirit and met their needs, gave them boldness and unity and all the things that they needed. Uh, and then we saw uh, Barnabas, uh, partner to Saul, ministry partner to Saul, uh, introduced there at the end of uh, chapter 4. Now, this morning, uh, here in chapter 5, uh, we see really two main um, episodes. We see the account of Ananias and Sapphira, uh, you recall that they were a couple, married couple, uh, who like uh, many others in the, the church there in Jerusalem had sold uh, some of the things that they had uh, in order to lovingly provide for others in the church. And uh, as we've taken care to point out, this is not uh, governmental uh, socialism, this Christian love within a church. Uh, one member uh, choosing voluntarily to meet the needs of other members uh, in response to Lord and, and his words. Uh, and so that's, that's a good thing. Uh, however, uh, we see Ananias and Sapphira uh, apparently uh, being motivated by something other than uh, complete love for the Lord. Uh, they sell some property and bring a portion of the proceeds of the sale uh, to the church uh, allowing uh, the church members to believe that that was the complete sum, the total amount received uh, for the property. And, and so you see a, a, a lie. Uh, you see their dishonesty. And uh, Brother A, we understand this morning that dishonesty is always sin, right? To, to lie is, is to sin. And uh, we'll see here in this passage that uh, both uh, Ananias and Sapphira are reminded that uh, we may lie to one another, uh, for various reasons. Uh, that's sin. It has consequences. But understand that when you lie, 
uh, you're offending the Lord. Uh, you're lying to him. Uh, we see that here in the passage this morning. Well, we also see Peter and the apostles arrested again uh, and tried before the Sanhedrin and then supernaturally freed by the Spirit of God and led of the Spirit of God to uh, go and preach and teach at the temple uh, and uh, the, the, the apostles and their response uh, to their release. Zach, did I pray yet? I don't think I did. Let's pray and we'll jump in here. Father, we thank you this morning for our church. We thank you this morning for your words. Uh, Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege to teach these words. It is a privilege indeed. Lord, I pray that you'll help me this morning and that you'll help each hearer. Lord, help us to see the things that you would have us to see and to remember them and to apply them practically uh, in our lives, even today, Lord. Lord, even today, uh, as we hear these things, I pray you'd apply them to our hearts and that we'd choose to walk in them practically before this day is over. Father, help us now. Lord, I love you and thank you, and I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, again, the first thing that we see here in the chapter is the account of Ananias and Sapphira, a married couple uh, here uh, in the, the church uh, at Jerusalem. Uh, we see, again, they sell a property and deceitfully hold back a portion of the proceeds. See verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession uh, a property, we think, and, and keep back part of the price. His wife also... Uh, being privy to it, she knew this, uh, and brought a certain part of the proceeds, a certain part, uh, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they, uh, they sold this, this um, possession, uh, and they brought a certain portion of the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. They brought their offering to the church, uh, understanding that the church uh, is the uh, Lord's organization for uh, providing for the needs of, of its members uh, who have needs. Uh, there's nothing wrong necessarily with uh, providing something directly to a member of the church, but please be reminded this morning that the primary model that the Lord has established for uh, meeting each other's practical needs is that offerings be made to the church, and then the church, with wisdom from the Lord, uh, takes that which it has received and provides for members as, uh, as the Lord's wisdom uh, and his words uh, dictate. So that would be the, the primary model here. Well, uh, Peter understands that uh, Ananias and Sapphira have been dishonest. Uh, how does he know that? Well, I don't know for sure, Zach, but what I do know is that the Holy Spirit is all over the book of Acts, right? You can't, you can't hardly get through a chapter of the book of Acts without seeing the, the work of, and ministry of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I would, I would uh, suggest that uh, the Holy Spirit has revealed the deceit uh, to Peter. Verse 3, uh, Peter confronts Ananias. Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost uh, and to keep back part of the price of the land. Well, that's why we believe it was land and not just some other uh, physical possession. I'll, I want you to see here a couple of things in this verse. This is, this is certainly important. Uh, first of all, Peter asserts, evidently, uh, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, that it is Satan that has filled Ananias' heart to lie uh, about the proceeds. Uh, he is, of course, Satan is, of course, the father of lies. Make a note, please. We see that idea 
uh, in John 8 and verse 44. Uh, make a note, please. John 8 and verse 44, Jesus said, Ye are of your father the devil, uh, and the lusts of your father ye, do, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Uh, Satan is a, is a murderer. He desires the death of believers from the beginning. He abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar uh, and the father of it. So Satan desires to kill. Uh, he desires to lie. There's no truth in him. Uh, he desires that uh, people would kill one another. He desires that people would lie uh, to one another. These are uh, parts of his strategy to separate men from God uh, and from the will of God. And certainly it's not God's will that we lie. We understand that's sin. So uh, Peter asserts that Satan filled Peter's heart uh, with the desire to lie. Zach, is that going to be uh, an excuse? Uh, if, Ananias, if Ananias is saved, he'll stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, and uh, he, he may say, well, you know, uh, Peter himself said Satan filled my heart to lie, so I lied. Well, uh, we could say, we can understand it this way, Satan may tempt you to lie. Uh, Brother Ray, Satan may tempt us to lie. Uh, but we have the power of the Spirit of God indwelling us. We have the person of the Spirit of God indwelling us and all of his power available to us uh, to overcome that temptation as Christ did uh, in the wilderness uh, with the anointing of the Spirit of God upon him. So uh, that may be an explanation, but it is certainly not an excuse. Uh, Satan evidently tempted Ananias and Sapphira both to lie Fine, we understand that. He'll, he'll do that. We're tempted in our lusts. We're tempted by the enemy. Uh, but that will be an explanation, not an excuse. We have the word of God, uh, and we have the power of God literally indwelling us in the person of God uh, to enable us to uh, overcome temptation. And so we can, and so we should. Uh, verse 4 says this, Well, it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Uh, volitional, uh, sinful acts begin uh, in the heart. We make decisions in our hearts that we act out in our lives. Uh, and so we understand that Ananias and Sapphira uh, formed this um, uh, intention in their hearts, uh, and then they acted it out. Lord, reveal our hearts. Lord, Lord uh, cleanse our hearts. Uh, in thine heart, thou, he says this at the end of verse 4, Thou hast not lied unto men, Zach, but what does it say at the end of verse 4, but unto whom? Unto whom? God. He says, you know, you've, you've lied to us. In, in a sense, that's true, obviously, literally true. But what Peter wants uh, Ananias to understand is that the greater truth, the greater reality is that in bringing this offering deceitfully to the church, uh, he, the, the greater sin is that he's lied to God. Uh, he's lied to God. And by the way, that'll never make sense because God always knows the truth. Uh, it'll never make sense to lie to God or to, to, to lie to God because he always knows the truth. He always knows the truth. Uh, also see this. Uh, Zach, look back in, in verse 3. In verse 3, who did Peter say that uh, Satan uh, filled his heart to lie to, Ananias' heart to lie to? Who does he say there? The what? Which member of the of the Godhead is named in verse 3. The Holy Ghost, right. So uh, in verse 3, uh, Peter says that Satan filled Ananias' heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 4, he said uh, he lied unto God. And 
Uh, verses 3 and 4 then form an excellent proof text that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, is in fact divine, is in fact God. Uh, we understand uh, a, a co-equal member of the triune Godhead. Uh, the Spirit of God is just as divine as God the Father and God the Son. Uh, and right, right here you, you see that very clearly. You also see very clearly uh, in verse 5 uh, the principle of the consequence of sin. I've said a number of times recently that sin always has consequences. Sure, it's forgiven if you've repented and come to Christ for salvation, but it always has consequences. Uh, right here in verse 5, you see a rather immediate consequence uh, of the sin of lying. Ananias died. Uh, evidently, uh, and we'll say this, if he's a saved man, he's, he's called home to the Lord. What is clear is that supernaturally, uh, the Lord in his justice, in his divine justice, authority, and power, uh, took the life of Ananias. Uh, verse 5 says this, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. We understand that's Bible language that refers to death, uh, to give up the ghost. Uh, to give up the spirit, to separate the spirit from the body. Uh, that's, the, that's the literal meaning of death. Uh, the spirit is separated from the body. Uh, Ananias fell down, gave up the ghost. He died, uh, and a great fear came on all them that heard these things. Uh, and the young man arose, wound him up. They prepared him for burial uh, and carried him out and buried him. That was the biblical model of uh, dealing with uh, a, 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 the body of a deceased person. Uh, they're buried. They're buried. And I'll take the opportunity. This is uh, getting a little bit off track here, but when making decisions about uh, how to um, deal with the body of a deceased person today, uh, we're reminded that all throughout Scripture, God's people are buried. They are not cremated. Uh, never once do we see that in Scripture. We, in each time, uh, we see they are, they are buried. Uh, the burning of bodies in Scripture is always associated with false worship. Uh, does that mean the Lord can't resurrect uh, someone who was cremated? No, certainly not. Uh, but it does mean that if we want to conform our choices as best we can to the Word of God, uh, burial, burial of the body, is a more biblical choice, and so uh, we encourage that choice. Uh, that's certainly not the focus of the passage this morning, but it's an opportunity just to uh, make that observation uh, and to teach that. Um, I want you, I want make, uh, let me try that again. I want you, please, to take a note uh, to make a cross-reference here. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 17. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 17. Please write that reference down. Uh, there, Paul is writing under inspiration of the same Holy Spirit that we see in, in, in Acts 5. Uh, he's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, if any man defile the temple of God, uh, in context, that would be a reference to the church of God or the assembly of believers. Uh, he says, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, uh, for the temple of God is holy, uh, which temple ye are. Uh, so there's a very clear teaching in the New Testament that if a man uh, would willfully do harm to his church, he is at very real risk uh, of the Lord calling him home. Uh, he says, again, if, the, if any man defile the temple of God, 
if any man harm the church or his church, him shall God destroy. Uh, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now, that verse certainly is not teaching that you could lose your salvation for lying to your church or doing some other harm to your church, causing disunity, uh, teaching against the doctrines uh, of the church. And it's, it's not that you could lose your salvation, but it is that the Lord may call you home. The Lord may uh, end your life as a practical consequence uh, because he does not desire to allow someone to continue harming his church. And uh, that's, that's a principle that uh, I believe is not taught enough, but should be taught more, uh, and church members should be reminded more frequently of this biblical reality. Uh, Paul taught the principle in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 17. Here in Acts chapter 5, you see that principle in action. Uh, God, what God says will be the case will be the case. Uh, we see the principle in action, we see the teaching of Scripture, and we do well to not overlook uh, this idea. If you willfully cause harm to your church, uh, here it was just a lie. Uh, a lie did harm to the church. If you willfully do harm to your church, uh, the Lord may, the Lord may not permit that to continue. Uh, he may call you home uh, before you have an opportunity to continue in that. Lying is very serious business. Uh, doing anything that would harm the, the unity uh, or holiness of your church is very serious business. Um, in, in the case we miss that, we see uh, the case of Sapphira, Ananias' wife. So verse 7, it was about the space of three hours after. So three hours go by, Ananias died, he, he's buried. Uh, three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, uh, for so much. So, Brother Ray, was she honest or did she lie again? Was, was she honest or did she lie again? She lied again, right? She said, yep, sure enough. Uh, Ananias said a certain amount. She's trying to protect her husband probably and, and herself as well. Um, and then Peter answers her in verse 9. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt who, Zachary? To tempt who in the verse 9? Uh, what does it say in verse 9? To tempt who? The Spirit of the Lord. So there again, uh, there again, uh, they, they've lied to the church, but the greater truth is they've lied to God, the Holy Spirit, uh, who is who is God, uh, not the Father or, or the Son, but God the Spirit. Uh, here the Spirit is called the Spirit of the Lord. Behold, the two of, uh, behold, sorry, middle of verse 9, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Uh, so Peter, here evidently acting according to that which the Holy Spirit has, well, he, he knows that Ananias has died. He didn't necessarily know that Sapphira has died and will die unless the Holy Spirit reveals that to him. Uh, and so he prophesies to her that uh, she will be carried out. The implication is that she's died and, and will be buried as well. And uh, verse 10, verse 10, you see Peter's prophecy uh, fulfilled immediately. Uh, the consequence for her deceitfulness in her church is her immediate death. Then, verse 10, uh, she, then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. Her spirit was separated from her body. She died. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her for forth, buried her by her husband. Uh, so you have 
two examples now of someone who, uh, a couple, two people, uh, who are doing harm to their church by lying to their church, and more importantly, lying to the Lord. Uh, and this principle from 1 Corinthians 3.17 uh, is, is seen in force here twice. Uh, they, they lied twice. Ananias had an opportunity, sorry, Sapphira had an opportunity uh, to repent. So, so, did, so did Ananias. Neither did. They persisted uh, in their lie, and the Lord took them immediately. So consequences, and at times, uh, very immediate consequences. See the result. See the result of this episode in verse 11. The Bible says great fear came upon all the church. Uh, the entire church assembly feared. Who do they fear? Well, Brother Ray, I believe they feared the Lord. I believe they've been reminded that they better be honest uh, with each other, uh, with their church, and most importantly, with the Lord. Uh, deceit, lying, is always sin. It always has consequences, and sometimes the ultimate consequence. Here, great fear came upon all the church and upon uh, as many as heard uh, these things. Well, praise God. Praise God. When you see someone experience uh, supernatural consequences for their sin, that ought to be a reminder to fear the Lord. <laughs> yes, he's loving and gracious and merciful, but he also has a great wrath at sin, uh, and he is a just God, and he will not permit someone to harm their church with lies or deceit or, or anything else. And you may say, well, today I believe I see people do that uh, for, for long periods of time. And, and yes, at times God will allow that. But uh, at other times, he absolutely does not allow that uh, as seen here in our passage this morning. So the people feared, uh, having seen God act, uh, having seen God cleanse the church of this uh, lying and, and deceit, which would harm the church, uh, the people have developed a greater, more perfect fear of the Lord, and that's a good thing. Uh, that's a good thing. Well, verse 12 continues um, this way. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought uh, among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So uh, this phrase, one accord, of course, refers to unity one mind, one body, one accord. This is the language of biblical unity. Uh, one man observes that this unity uh, was encouraged uh, when, when the, the sin was purged out of the church, when those who had sinned in the church and who had refused to repent of their sin were purged out, in this case, by the Spirit of God through their death, uh, that, that purified the church and resulted in a unity, uh, a continued or a greater or a restored unity within the church. Well, praise God for that. Uh, they were all with one accord, verse 12, in Solomon's porch. This would be uh, an area on the east side, we believe on the east side uh, of the temple uh, in the first century uh, that uh, dated back to Solomon. Well, I want you to see here. So we see that well, let me come back to verse 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. So uh, the Lord was using signs and wonders at this time prior to the completion of the canon of Scripture uh, to authenticate uh, the gospel, uh, clearly to authenticate that the church was God's place of worship, uh, to authenticate perhaps that uh, Christ was the Messiah, that faith in him is, is the way. 
uh, and that believers are in fact called into churches now, uh, out of the temple, uh, uh, into uh, a new place, a new covenant. Uh, signs and wonders were used temporarily uh, by the Lord to do this. Um, this is uh, not the um, faith healing and, and different things that you see happening in churches today. We believe these signs and wonders that we see here in this chapter were uh, very much a temporary phenomena, uh, not, not to be continued today. Uh, you see these things winding down uh, by the end of the book of Acts uh, as the canon of scripture would have been nearing completion. Uh, these things were no longer necessary uh, and the Lord uh, wound down the exercise of these things uh, over that period of time. In any event, here, prior to the Bible being completed, uh, the Lord's miraculous ability to work signs and wonders through uh, his people is on full display here, and it's wonderful. It's not for today, but it, but it was for that day, and it is wonderful. Uh, the result of that is that uh, some were saved. Some were saved. Others refused to respond uh, to the demonstration of God's power and authority. Uh, some were saved. Others refused. Verse 13, uh, and of the rest, there's no man joined himself to them, though, so some refused, but uh, the people magnified them. People uh, uh, glorified uh, in the, the apostles, and in the, I think the implication is more in, in the God of the apostles. Uh, and the result is verse 14, believers and believers were the more added to the Lord, praise God, multitudes both of men and women. Well, praise God. Uh, as, as the uh, disciples, as forgive me, as the apostles continued uh, in a yieldedness to the Lord, the Lord uh, performed miracles through them. Uh, people saw this. Evidently, they uh, were uh, cued by that. They, they were prompted by that to inquire about the, the source, the way of those miracles. They heard the gospel. They placed their faith in Christ uh, and were added uh, to the Lord. They, they were in Christ. They were saved and, and then were uh, baptized uh, we, we would understand, comparing Scripture to Scripture, into uh, the church there at Jerusalem. Uh, the sick were brought to them for healing, verse 15, and as much that they brought forth the sick uh, into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. So they had such a great faith in, in Peter's God that uh, they believed that e even if Peter's shadow fell upon a sick person, uh, that person uh, would be healed. Well, if, if the Lord chose to do that, certainly he could. Now, uh, again, this is a temporary phenomena that is being pictured here uh, in verse 15. Uh, we, we don't perform faith healing services uh, where we demand that the Lord would heal someone uh, uh, in, in a moment. We understand that God still can and still does do miraculous healing in response to uh, the prayers of his people, but uh, this sign, sign and wonder of immediate miraculous healing is different uh, than how God is working today. Uh, we see in verse 16 that the demon possessed were brought to them uh, for healing. Uh, healing, uh, of, of, in a sense, to, to be exercised of, of the demon that possessed them. Verse 16, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, uh, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, uh, this, this would be demons, uh, and they were healed, every one. Well, uh, no doubt they, they were healed by the Lord, uh, working through Peter and the apostles, 
uh, who would share the gospel with a demon-possessed person. Uh, that, that person would evidently respond to the preaching, and, uh, and the demon would be cast out by the apostles, oh, by the Lord working through the apostles. Uh, we understand from Scripture, and certainly it's my understanding, that uh, a saved person cannot be uh, possessed or indwelt by a demon. Certainly, we can be harassed or influenced uh, by Satan, who is a demon, or, or any of his minions. Uh, but I, I do not believe the Bible permits the possibility that a saved person could be uh, demon-possessed. We are indwelt, Brother Ray, by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so it just doesn't seem likely to me that a demon would even want to be uh, indwelling so someone who is indwelt by, by God's Spirit. So uh, certainly lost people can be demon-possessed today. Uh, and the answer to that would be prayer and fasting, uh, as we will see elsewhere in Scripture. Um, but uh, I, I praise God that I don't believe it's the case that a saved person can be demon-possessed. Uh, what, what I do see in verse 16 is, is the power of God, the supernatural power of the Spirit of God working through the apostles uh, to accomplish this ministry. Well, the, uh, the people are seeing what's happening here. They're seeing these demonstrations of the Spirit of God by Christians, uh, by, by, by men who uh, preach and teach Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, uh, and uh, the Sadducees, who evidently are in charge now, they're, they're still uh, very concerned. They've arrested Peter and John. They've, they've threatened them to stop this, uh, and yet they go forward preaching and teaching and performing miracles in, in the name of Christ, and not surprisingly, they are arrested again. Uh, Peter and the apostles are uh, arrested once again. Verse 17 says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him... Uh, which is the sect of the Sadducees. So, uh, again, the Sadducees seem to be in charge at this time. Uh, in a sense, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the Essenes, these, in a sense, were kind of like political parties. They, they exercised political power. They had differing doctrine and differing philosophies. Uh, remember, the Pharisees were kind of the, uh, the, the conservative legalists, whereas the Sadducees were the liberal rationalists. Uh, they, they were the liberals of their day. They denied much of the supernatural, including resurrection. Uh, they were filled with indignation. They were angry. They were indignant that their command to Peter and John uh, had not been obeyed. And so in verse 18, they laid their hands uh, on the apostles and uh, put them in the common prison. They arrested them, Brother Ray, and threw them uh, into the prison. But, this is a good uh, a good but here in verse 19. But the angel of the Lord by night uh, opened the prison doors, uh, as the angel of the Lord would later do for Paul and company. Uh, here, the Lord, uh, is this the Lord himself, the Holy Spirit, or an angel sent by the Lord? In, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because it's God uh, working here. The angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors supernaturally, uh, and brought them forth, brought Peter and the apostles out of the prison and said, uh, here's a command that the angel of the Lord gave to the apostles. Verse 20, go, stand, uh, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. What life? Well, the Christian life, uh, the life of being in Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Notice this again, Lord didn't just free them, Brother Ray, just because. 
we've been looking at this idea recently that the Lord always acts with purpose. Uh, what he does, he does for a reason. That's for his purposes, uh, for his purposes. So uh, the Lord frees uh, the apostles from the prison uh, for the purpose of the ministry work that he desires would go forward. They're commanded to go and stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So it's very interesting. The Lord sends them right back to a place where their teaching of Christ would be most visible. It would be most public, mo most on display uh, to those who have arrested apostles twice now. Well, this is the Lord's desire and uh, the apostles had a heart to obey what the Lord desired. Uh, verse 21 says, when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and did what? They taught. They did just what the Lord asked them to do. Of course, the Jewish leaders uh, are not happy about this. Verse, middle of verse 21 says this, but the high priest came uh, and they that were with him and called the council, the Sanhedrin. This be the Sanhedrin, uh, this group of uh, 70 religious leaders of the land, uh, the council would be the Sanhedrin, uh, and all the senate of the children of Israel. There's a little bit of debate about the meaning of the word senate here. It is different from the word council, uh, and in some ways seems to be separate. So we have the council and all the senate. Uh, some would hold that the senate would be a separate body uh, ruling body separate from the Sanhedrin. Others have understood this to be a, a portion of the Sanhedrin. So you might, you might view it as sort of like the bicameral uh, uh, legislative body that we have uh, in Washington. We have the legislative branch of government, which has two components, the, the Senate uh, and the House. Uh, there might be something like this here. The Senate might be a lower uh, body within the Sanhedrin. We're not, we're not really sure, uh, but the council certainly is the Sanhedrin, and the Senate is probably probably a component of the Sanhedrin. Uh, the word Senate, the underlying word, has the idea of elders, and so it's, it's probably a component of the Sanhedrin, or perhaps uh, consultants, if you will, who, uh, who supplied counsel to the members uh, of the Sanhedrin. This is, this is certainly a possibility. Uh, in any event, the, their case has risen uh, to the highest level of uh, Jewish leadership, uh, and um, they are calling Paul and the uh, sorry Peter and the apostles uh, before the Sanhedrin. However, uh, they're not in the jail. They they call for them to be uh, taken from the jail to be brought to uh, the, the the council, but but they're not there. Verse twenty two: When the officers came and found them not in the prison. Uh, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety. The prison is locked up, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Somehow, uh, somehow the place is all locked up, and the, uh, the, 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 the prison guards are still there. They're not aware of anything, but uh, when we went in to take them out to bring them, they, they weren't there. Uh, well, we know the Lord has accomplished this, Brother Ray. Verse 24, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them uh, whereunto this would grow. They were concerned about this, of course. They then received a report the apostles were teaching in the temple. Verse 25, then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple uh, and teaching the people. Teaching the people. Well, uh, Peter and the apostles 
have been uh, supernaturally freed uh, from the prison. <laughs> These who have continued in faithful obedience to the Lord have been supernaturally blessed with freeing from this uh, false imprisonment. That is quite a contrast, by the way, to the end of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, they were not yielded to the Lord and permitted to continue in any kind of ministry. They uh, lied to their church and to their God and suffered immediate consequence of their sinful choices. Peter and the apostles were stayed yielded to the Lord despite the fact that they knew what the consequence might be from men. Uh, and they suffered the consequence of men, yet they also experienced joyfully uh, the supernatural rescue of their God. And they were blessed. That, that's a great blessing. Uh, they are blessed uh, <laughs> very much uh, in contrast to the experience of Ananias and Sapphira. They were blessed uh, by being released from the prison of men and allowed to continue on, in, commanded to continue on in their ministry. Uh, and they do that in obedience to the specific direct command of the Lord, uh, despite their full knowledge of the consequences they might experience at the hands of men. What a wonderful example. What a wonderful example for us today, Brother Ray. Uh, we, can, we can sin and lie uh, and pursue our own agenda and suffer consequences, or we can yield to the Lord and seek his grace to continue forward uh, doing what he calls us to do, understanding there may be consequences from men, but blessings from the Lord, but blessings from the Lord. Uh, I don't know about you this morning, but I choose the latter. I choose the latter, uh, obedience and blessings and faithfulness to the Lord. Uh, I trust this morning that you choose the same. Well, Lord willing, next Sunday morning, we'll pick up the account here and continue forward looking at the balance uh, of this chapter. Let's stop here and pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, this morning uh, for this passage. Lord, it's, uh, it's, um, it's serious. Lord, it's a serious reminder that you will not tolerate forever those who would do harm to their church. Lord, help us to take that very seriously. And Lord, help us to remember that something that seems little to us at times, like a lie, um, harms a church, and it offends you. Lord, we suffer consequences when we sin, and potentially great consequences when we sin against our church. Father, I thank you this morning that we, we also have the privilege to see against that backdrop another choice, another way, and another outcome. Blessings for obedience, even in the face of the threat of consequences from men. Lord, you bless as we simply continue with faith and courage and strength from you to be about the business that you've called us to. Lord, help us to take these things seriously. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you for the privilege to serve you. I pray, Father, for all of our members this morning that we'd understand that which we've seen and take these things seriously. And Lord, just recommit, resubmit ourselves to you this morning, uh, asking you for grace to obey you, asking for grace to remain yielded to you, 
Lord, to continue forward in the ministry that you call each of us to, not fearing men, Lord, but fearing you, understanding that you're a God who is a just God, who will correct disobedience and bless obedience for your honor and your glory. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you so much for your words. I thank you for our church. I pray, Lord, for each one as they, as they come uh, into the church building for the 11 o'clock hour. I pray nothing would prevent our people this morning. And, Lord, they just have a desire to come together to encourage one another. And, Lord, that they would do that, come together and encourage one another this morning. And just, um, Lord, desire to, uh, to do that and to worship you in your special presence as we join together corporately. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>